Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Would you pray with me? God, what a privilege it is to be your child, to be able to call you Father, to be able to recognize you as not only our creator, but our sustainer of life, the giver and sustainer of life, the giver of love, the, the, the example of love that we can follow. Thank you for being who you are and for who we are because of who you say we are. Thank you for letting us be your children. Now as we come to the pages of Scripture, we ask God that you would speak to us. Would we hear from you? Would you move in us? Would you teach us today to love better? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You be seated. What well, is such a privilege to be here with you today, to be able to worship uh, alongside of you, to have you join us on our webcast. Uh, we're glad we get to spend this time together today. I want to mention a couple things to you, just uh, as a reminder, uh, coming up two weeks from today on November 13th is the kind of culmination of our year-long 25th anniversary celebration, and we hope that you will be here uh, that Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Uh, we will worship together uh, in this room. Uh, we will worship around tables. Uh, we want your families to kind of worship together, be together. We'll share communion together. Uh, we'll continue telling a little bit of the story of this church and talk about what's coming next, where we're headed, and how we all have a role in that as we move towards the next 25 years of Faith Christian Church. Uh, so if you'll be here at 10 o'clock for the service, come early. Uh, there'll be donuts and coffee and a time to share together, and we can look at pictures and tell some stories out in the atrium uh, beforehand. And then after the service on that Sunday, November 13th, uh, stick around for lunch. That's why the tables will already be set up when you get here. Uh, we're going to share a beautiful catered meal, and I hope that uh, you will be uh, making plans to be here and share that with us as well. I do want to mention, I was supposed to do this last week and failed to, do want to mention to you, we are, as part of that November 13th day, we are planning a, um, a table, uh, a, an area of remembrance uh, for some folks who um, have passed away, people who are an important part of this church and have gone on uh, to be with the Lord, and we want to make sure we have not missed anyone on that list. We've got quite the list, but if there's someone in your life that you would like, love to have recognized, be sure you see me, Donna Beitzel, or Gretchen Stogie today, and if you can get us a picture of that person uh, just to make sure we have them all we probably have the name already on our list but in, just in case we don't if you will see us we'll double check and make sure that your loved one is recognized on that in memoriam uh, table that will be a part of that and don't forget also that the week after that on november the 20th is when we begin um well we, when we are moved officially then to 10 o'clock service only we're moving our service time to one service for a while and that will be at 10 o'clock and so that begins on the 13th but following that all the way through the holidays and into the new year uh, we'll be meeting at 10 a.m so be sure you mark your schedules accordingly set your alarm accordingly and be sure that um if anyone that you know is not here today or was here last week to hear that announcement be sure they know as well so that when they get here on the 13th, the 20th, all through the month of December, that they will uh, be here on time as we start our worship time, our service time at 10 o'clock, uh, beginning on that November 13th. And then, boy, after that, man, Christmas coming. We got Christmas decorating. We got Christmas craft workshop. We've got uh, uh, Christmas Eve services, all kinds of stuff planned. It's hard to believe we're already in the middle of that. So uh, buckle up. It's going to be a fun ride. We're going to have a great time these next several weeks together uh, here at Faith Christian. Um, you know, I think in, in most things in life, um, we have some expectations. 
there's things that we expect to happen, things that we are planning to be the case, the, the expectations that we hold when we enter into a situation. We, as I just mentioned, we are officially now in the holiday season here in our country, in our culture, and we have expectations about the holidays, expectations about what's going to be on the table at Thanksgiving. Maybe expectations about who's going to be around the table or who's not going to be around the table at Thanksgiving. We have expectations when we start a new school year. We have expectations when it's time to take a, a vacation. We have expectations about the Cleveland Browns. We have expectations uh, about a relationship. You enter into a new relationship with a person. You have expectations about how that's going to turn out. Even this morning, as you have walked into a church building and are participating in a church service or you have tuned in online to an online church service, you probably have some expectations about church. Maybe this is your first time here. Someone drug you here this morning. Maybe you tuned in accidentally on the Facebook this morning and you're watching for the first time and you don't know why. You probably have some expectations. You may be thinking, okay, when's all the weirdo stuff start? Or maybe you come here, come to church here all the time. You watch every week and you're thinking, okay, when's all the weirdo stuff start? The truth is we all come here with expectations. What are your expectations? We come to a service like this with expectations. Today, as we move on in this rugged and raw sermon series, we're going to look at a story from the New Testament book of Acts, this the beautiful story that, that's part, the part of the big story of the church beginning. And in this story, there are two different people who are going to come to the same place with two completely different expectations. One of them's name is Paul. We're going to talk more about him even next week. The other is this lady by the name of Lydia. And God is going to bring their expectations, different expectations, as they come to the same place. And God is going to weave together a pretty amazing story of change. And my prayer for you today is that God will begin to weave together some stories of change for those of us who are here or watching online this weekend. Those of us who may be expecting something completely different, but that God will begin to orchestrate some change in us. Let me pick up the story. This is Acts chapter 16, beginning of verse 12. It says, we, this is Luke. Dr. Luke is the guy who writes the book. He's a part of this traveling team. So we, Luke, Paul, Silas, we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath... We went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought, okay, expectations, we thought something was going to happen. We thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household, we talked about that word quite a bit a couple weeks ago, she and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home, and she urged us until we agreed. So we have this kind of all-star team of sorts, if you will. There's Paul, uh, this guy named Silas, uh, Dr. Luke, Timothy, who we'll read about later. Um, Timothy, they're all traveling together at this moment on this missionary journey. And the team is in this very important city called Philippi. This is an important city to both the Romans and the Greeks. This is an important place. And so they come to the river. So I want, you to be, I want to begin by showing you Paul has expectations at the river. Listen again to verse 13. 
we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. Expectations. They expected people to be meeting for prayer. People bring expectations to things you did today. Paul does it here when he shows up at the river. He's expecting people to be praying at this river. He's expecting to find a place of prayer. Now, you need to know this. Paul and his team, they've been in this city of Philippi for a few days now, and there's nothing going on. Usually what's happened when Paul and his team, when they go to a city to begin this church, they go to a synagogue, which is where the Jews would meet to worship. And they would begin in the synagogue teaching Jewish people about the Messiah, about Jesus. And things would begin happening almost immediately as soon as they set foot in one of these cities. A revival of sorts would break out and people would begin listening to what Paul had to say about Jesus and the crucifixion and the resurrection and his own personal encounter with Jesus, and lives would begin to change, and things would be happening. But here they are in Philippi. They've been in Philippi for several days now, and nothing's going on. Nothing supernatural. These guys have spent several days now just walking around this town, looking to see what God could do, what God is doing, and they couldn't find anything. Now, I want you to notice that they go to the river, The reason they go to the river is because there's not very many Jewish people living in this place. There's no synagogue like there would have been in some of the other cities they went to. And when there's no synagogue, the the tradition, the habit, the religiousness, if you will, of Jewish people is they would go to a place under an open sky, usually near water. Because water has this way of just refreshing us and cleansing our souls, doesn't it? And they would find a place like that that was quiet, near water, and open and that would become a place of prayer. So that's what Paul and this, this all-star team of missionaries think is going on here. We'll go to the river and we'll pray. And we'll find people who are there praying. I want you to notice that Paul comes to the river looking for God's direction. He's trying to figure out what God is doing, why God has him now in this city of Philippi. Paul wants God to, he's like, show me something. Give me some trumpets. Give me, give me a beam of light from heaven. Show me something. Now, you can go back this afternoon. You can read this in chapter 16, the first part of chapter 16. But Paul has just tried to take the gospel south down into Asia. But the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not going there. Then he tried to go north to Bithynia. The Holy Spirit said, no, we're not going there. Instead, the Holy Spirit says, you're going to Philippi. So here he is, he's trying to figure out where God wants him to go. He's been in Philippi for several days now. Nothing is happening. Come on, God. You get impatient with God too, right? Come on, God, let's do this thing. Make this thing happen. I want you to see that Paul is searching for God's direction. So they get to the river. And what do they find? A group of women praying. This this would have been disappointing. Because this is a patriarchal society. Women were still second-class citizens in this day. They would have been looking for some men they could have talked to. This would have been disappointing that there would have been a group of women there. One of the women is by the name of Lydia. Now, Lydia is going to become one of the most important, one of the most prominent Christians and church leaders in the church in Philippi. But on this day, there is no church in Philippi, and Lydia isn't a Christian. She's not a Christ follower yet. The Bible tells us that she was a worshiper of God. She's not really a Jew, 
But somehow she's, she's aware of God. She, she knows that there's something there. So she's worshiping him, even though she's not really sure what that's all about. So there they are, worshiping God. They read the scriptures. They prayed. But for the most part, they felt, these, this group of women felt like they were on the outside looking in. They know there's something there, but they don't know what it is. And there they are at the river, reading the scriptures and praying. The Bible tells us that Lydia was a seller of purple cloth. She's a dealer. She's, she's a businesswoman. She's a successful businesswoman. Her business was purple cloth. The purple cloth, the dye that they would make the purple cloth with was very, very expensive. It was a, a sign of wealth if you wore purple in the first century and even earlier in the ancient cultures. Uh, they would get the dye from there's some little mu muscle-type creature that lived in the sea, and then they had this purple ink, and they'd use that to make the purple dye. It was hard to make. It was very, very expensive. So she is now in Philippi. She was originally from this town called Thyatira. She's now in Philippi because that's where you want to be. It's an important city. The Romans, the Greeks, they love this city. This is the, this is the fashion capital, if you will. Of, uh, of the Mediterranean region of the, of the Roman Empire So she's in Philippi because that's where you want to be If you want to set up Lydia's purple cloth shop Which is what she's doing Because that's where all the uber rich Greek All the uber rich Roman people Would come and buy all the uber expensive Nice stuff So she is probably Lydia probably A very very wealthy woman She's very successful In her business we can, we, we can suppose that she is very well-dressed. She's extremely put together. She would be an influencer if we were in modern times. She's a successful businesswoman in a male-dominated culture, Greek world. This is a big deal. She's a big deal. And I believe that Lydia comes to the river looking for God. She's come to the river looking for God. I think she comes to the river hoping that God would speak to her because she's an outsider looking in. She knows there's something. She just wants to know what that something is. She wants to know that maybe she could find her place with God. Remember, she's not Jewish. She's on the outside. It's a completely different expectation than what Paul had. My guess is that all of us in this church building this morning, all of us watching this broadcast today, all of us are in one of these two categories we are either searching for god's direction or we are searching for god so let me just encourage you no matter which camp you find yourself in today keep on searching c.s lewis wrote continue seeking god with seriousness unless he wanted you you would not be wanting him Keep on searching. Keep on seeking. God will show himself to you like he does to Paul and like he does to Lydia here in this story. I remember a moment very, very early in my ministry. I was a student minister in Illinois, and I was at a week of church camp in Springfield, Illinois. And I was at a kind of a crossroads of my life and ministry, and I wasn't sure what I was doing. And I was in this moment, I was really, really seeking God. And I sat in a, in a chapel service at this church camp for junior high kids, and a friend of mine named Matt was giving the message that night. He was preaching, and I'll just be honest with you, it was one of the worst sermons I've ever heard. It was awful, awful, and I've heard some bad ones. It was awful. It was, the kids were checked out. He was, he was kind of a peer guy intellectually, and he was kind of talking over their heads, and, and they, they weren't paying attention. But then he, he said one thing. I'll never forget the one thing he said. I, 
I don't remember anything else he said except it was kind of a clunker of a sermon. One thing he said in that sermon I'll never forget. He said, and it was like he was talking just to me. When you're in that moment of seeking God's will and you wonder, what is God's will for my life? Where does God want me to go? What does God want me to do? That's the, that was me in that moment. That's Paul in this moment in this story. What does God want you to do? Maybe, he said, maybe my friend Matt said, maybe God's will is that you're seeking him. That you're just looking for him. So here's these two people with two different expectations at the same river. And they begin to have a talk. Let's listen in on their conversation. Verse 13. So we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. Somehow Paul and these women strike up a conversation and they get into a conversation about Jesus Christ. And Paul begins to share with these, this group of ladies the good news of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And after Paul began to talk, Lydia began to listen. Paul is talking about Jesus and Lydia is hearing the word and then the Bible says that God opened her heart to what Paul was saying. Look at this conversation on the river. Paul is talking. Lydia is listening. God is opening. Listen to me. There is no gospel without someone who will speak it. And there is no gospel without someone who will hear it. And there is no gospel unless the Lord opens up somebody's heart as they are hearing the gospel. And that's what happens here. And it is a beautiful thing. Lydia is able to make a decision. She is able to respond by faith because the Lord has opened her heart to someone speaking and someone listening. This may not come as a shock to you, but we hope. We hope that every single Sunday morning that you come into this building, that you turn on this broadcast, and that you are listening. That you are hearing what is going on. Every week I pray. I come into this room during the week and I pray for you. I walk through this room and I pray and I ask God to open your ears and your hearts. I can blab and blab and blab all day. And I know, some days I do. But unless God moves, nothing's going to happen. And unless you listen, nothing is going to happen. So I pray that you are listening. And I pray that God is opening your mind and your heart to his message. So here's the question this morning. For those of you who are here today and you are looking for God's direction... For those of you who are here today and you are looking for God, the question is, are you listening? Or are you just kind of drowning him out with all the other ideas and other thoughts and other plans that you've got on your mind, wondering why your life doesn't make sense? Where's God? Why doesn't God do this in my life? Where's God? Are you listening to me, God? Are you even there, God? And of course, listen, I've got to challenge all of us here today that are believers to not only be listening, but to start speaking for God. Are you speaking for God? Listen to me. For every person that hears the word of God, some other person has to speak the word of God. No one comes to Christ unless someone is talking about Christ. And the people that, that God has called to talk about, about Jesus are the ones who have already found him. 
And that brings us to Lydia's response, where we see this change that happens in her in the river. Look again at verse 14. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home, and she urged us until we agreed. Lydia becomes a baptized believer in Jesus Christ. The text says that she and her whole household her oikos, her, 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 her people, her business associates, or the people who work for her, her children, her husband, her whole household were baptized. Why was she baptized? As a result of her faith. Again, that word believer, that's the word for faith in the New Testament. It literally means to trust. To trust. She says, I am a truster in God. I'm a truster in God through Jesus Christ, and therefore I'm going to be baptized to show what's going on inside my heart. I used to be on the outside looking in, now I'm on the inside. That's what baptism is. It is an outward sign of what's going on inside of you spiritually. So Lydia and her family are there, and they're praying, and they, they talk, and there's a river right there. Hey, let's be baptized, and they're baptized. Now just let my mind wander for a minute. Lydia this successful businesswoman she comes to the river she's she's all dressed to the nines she's got her purple cloth on she's a seller of purple cloth she's put together she's got her fancy earrings she's probably got nice clothes her she she kind of say like she's foo-foo she's all fancy she's all fancy she's pretty she's painted she's all high society she's got it all put together but she just gets in the water when you're a woman, you've got to say discreet, right? Especially in the first century. But she just hops in, earrings, necklaces, bracelets, makeup, clothes and all. She's in. She's all in. Because when you get to the place where you find that your life is a mess and you need Jesus, it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. Imagine her in this moment. She's, she's got drippy hair and her makeup's running down her cheeks and maybe she's sputtering the river water out of her mouth. Her clothes are soaked. She is not the beautiful picture of the beautiful woman that sells purple to society in Philippi, but she doesn't care. She doesn't care. She says, if you consider me a believer, one to have faith in Jesus, then I want you to come to my house today. Her whole life changes in that moment. I want you to see this. She was completely change no longer an outsider looking in she's now in she was now identified was identified as a seller of purple cloth now she is identified as a believer in jesus christ her life is different and she begins immediately she begins hosting people christians in her home Flip over to the end of, the, uh, of chapter 16 of this, this chapter in the book of acts it says this in verse 40 when paul and silas left the prison this is sometime later they left the prison they returned to the home of lydia there they met with the believers and encouraged them once more pay attention to this this is where lydia's house this is where the church the philippian christian church is meeting their church building is lydia's house she's now using all of her wealth all of her resources, all of her connections, all of her business acumen, she's now, now that she's found Jesus Christ, she's using that to host and to, uh, to propagate the, 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 the church in Philippi. You see how her life has changed. It's shifted. If you read the book of Philippians, which is Paul writing a letter back to this church sometime later, you'll see Paul saying things like this in the book of Philippians. Labor with these women. 
who have labored with me. Guess who he's talking about? <laughs> yeah, he's talking about Lydia and those women who were at the river that he met that day. He also tells the Philippian church that they were the first ones to share with him in the gift of giving and receiving. In other words, this church in Philippi, this was the first church who took up an offering to support Paul on his missionary journeys to take the gospel around the world. Lydia, she's the leader of the church. Lydia hears about what Paul's doing how he's going to take the message of Jesus up to Greece, how he's going to take it, uh, hopefully, to Asia Minor. And she says, how are you going to get there? How are you going to pay for that? How are you going to travel? What are you going to eat? How are you going to afford to eat? So she begins, with the Philippian church, she begins the Apostle Paul Missionary Fund. Why? Because she had money. She had means. She knew how to deal with money. She was a seller of purple. She was a rich lady in Philippi. And she began to say, you know what? Now I'm not a seller of purple. Now I'm a supporter of the church. And they meet in my house, and I'm going to give my money, and I'm going to use it for the glory of God. She completely changed. She is completely different. All of my business acumen, all of my leadership skills, all of my winsome ways, all of my type A-driven personality, all of my wealth, all of my influence, all of my resources, I'm going to use everything in my power, everything at my disposal. Much like what we talked about last week about with Barnabas, if you were here last week. Barnabas decided that what God is doing in this new thing called the church is so important that he was going to radically sacrifice to preserve it, to advance it. Lydia does the exact same thing. She decides that what is going on in this new thing called the church is so drastically important that she will sacrifice radically to preserve and to promote what's going on. That this community is more important than the stuff in the closet let me say it again at some point we have to decide that what god is doing is more important than the stuff that we have because generosity is the new normal in the kingdom of god i need you to see before we go i need you to see that paul is completely different also this was God's revelation to Paul. Paul, this, this is how I start my church, Paul. You walk by faith. You go where I lead you through the Holy Spirit. You keep your eyes open. And Paul, then I'll do, God says, I'll do what I do. You don't need to know the details. You just walk by faith one step at a time. You think this is just a little, little prayer time down by the river? Well, I'm starting the Philippian church right here in this place, right here by the river. And so Paul learned that God was going to be the one that was going to guide everything he did. So Paul was changed, Lydia was changed, and I believe that God still wants us to change today. I believe that God wants to change you because that's what God does. And no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are in life, God loves you and God accepts you. But God wants to change you. He wants to move you closer to him. That's what he does. He changes people. And he can change you. Through Jesus, you can find the hope, the joy, the acceptance, the understanding, the purpose, the peace, the love 
that you're looking for. And you can find all of those things today in Jesus Christ. I don't know what change God needs to make or God wants to make in your life today. And I don't know what expectations you brought with you when you came into this place. But I know that if you'll listen, and if you'll respond, that God will change you. Let me pray for you. Our community team will go ahead and take their places, get ready to serve us. Father, we thank you for being a God of change. A God who loves us just the way we are, but loves us too much to let us stay that way. So Father, whether that's for those of us in the room, those of us watching the broadcast who have have never yet said yes to you, never put our faith, our trust, our belief in you like we see Lydia do in this story. Father, maybe that's the change you want to make in us today. That we would change from the outside looking in to being on the inside. To being not identified by uh, our titles or our positions, but being identified as a believer and as a follower of Jesus. God, maybe that's the change you want to make in some of us today. For those of us who have been around this church thing, been around Jesus maybe all of our lives, decades at this point. God, we hear today that you want us to change too. That you love us just where we are, but you still want, you still want us growing. You still want us moving closer to you, moving to be more like your son Jesus. So God, would you change us, moving us. As we come now to this time of communion, we are reminded as we eat and we drink these emblems that you are the God of change. And that is possible so we listen and we respond. We ask you to open our hearts and move in us even now as we, as we share together these emblems. In the name of Jesus.